In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever been somewhere, maybe just minding your own business, maybe it's your cubicle at work or sitting on the train headed downtown or waiting in line at the grocery store and and you're not trying to eavesdrop or listen in on, on any conversations, but you can't help but hear the people talking around you. And again, you're just trying to go about your own business. But, but then suddenly, as these conversations are taking place, you hear a name that you recognize, right? You, you realize that the people around you are talking about someone you know, maybe someone you love. You, you hear the name of, of your brother or your dad or your spouse or your kids or your cousin or, or your best friend. And, and so you weren't eavesdropping, but... Now you kind of are because you, you want to hear what these people are going to say about the person you know. And so you listen. And, and as you listen, and you're kind of hoping to hear all these wonderful things about the person that's so important to you, but as you listen instead, you realize this isn't so much conversation as it is gossip, right? The, the people maybe are laughing or joking at your loved one's expense. They've assumed all sorts of things about them. They've completely misunderstood who they are. They're, they're quickly rushing to judgment or, or condemnation uh, over things that you know are, are completely out of your loved one's control. Uh, I, this happened to me once when I was in grad school. I was sitting at a table minding my own business, trying to get some work done in the cafeteria, and, and I heard a conversation taking place. And and I tried not to listen, but then I heard the name of my friend. And, and I listened as these people kind of laughed and joked about him. I, I heard them say some things, make some assumptions that I knew weren't true. I, I heard them as they talked about him. I knew that they completely misunderstood him. And I remember thinking to myself, if they just talked to him or spent some time with him, really got to know him, became his friend, th- th- this conversation would be totally different. I, I knew that some of the things that they were judging him over were completely out of his control and if I had jumped in sooner, I would have said all of these things. I would have said, just get to know him, right? Listen to him, hear him out, and invite him out to coffee, grab a drink, whatever it takes. Um, maybe you've experienced that before. I, the truth is, I, I feel that way sometimes, though, with Jesus. <laughs> there are lots of conversations taking place about Jesus in our world today. You, you've heard them, you've had them, you've listened to them, maybe on TV or some history channel special. Lots of conversations, lots of talk about Jesus today. And, and some of that, a, a lot of that, especially the talk I hear in this place with all of you about Jesus is great. It's fantastic. It's right on point. But sometimes I think we've all heard people saying things about him that we know aren't true, right? People can be very quick to assume things about Jesus, who he is, what he came to do. There are all sorts of misunderstandings. People judge him for things he, he never actually said or, or did, right? And uh, Jesus is often misunderstood. Uh, we, we talked about this last week as we looked at the first person of the Trinity. You might remember that, that, that there are lots of misunderstandings about who the Father is, right? Some people view the Father as this very grandfatherly figure with a big white beard, kind of like Santa Claus up in the sky, keeping track of who's naughty or nice. And other people view the Father as a slave-driving taskmaster, giving us more work to do, punishing us when we've messed up. And I think there are just as many, if not more, misunderstandings about who Jesus is. And you've probably heard them as you've listened and overheard these conversations that Jesus is nothing but a, a wise teacher or a spiritual guru. He's the, the buddy of Buddha, that Jesus is very often made into a political figure. Some people would like for him to be Republican, others Democrat. Sometimes he is the social justice hippie warrior fighting on behalf of a select few, raising them up, uh, 
Sometimes Jesus is made into a tool that divides, right? A, a, a means by which we know who's in or who's out, who's us and who's them. There are all sorts of misunderstandings about Jesus. And, and that's why I think it's important we're doing what we're doing today, uh, talking about who he actually is and, and what he actually came to do. And, and as we do that this morning and as we saw last week, what we'll, we'll also see in that, I believe, is a clearer picture of who we are and, and the life that God has called us to. Because there are all these conversations. You've heard. You've had them. Uh, we're going to talk today. We're going to start by talking about who Jesus is. And, and I think a good place to start is with the names of Jesus. Some of us who were downstairs in Bible study this morning talked about some of these names. Uh, here are just some of them that I thought of, uh, but there are a lot of them. Uh, we, we talked about how some of the names of Jesus are pretty self-explanatory. Don't need to, to teach a lot uh, about what it means that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. It kind of cuts to the chase, describes who he is. Uh, or King of Kings, that's a, a pretty self-explanatory one. He's the king above all other earthly rulers and, and powers. Others of the names of Jesus might need some explanation, like the Good Shepherd, right? We, we need to remember that he provides and protects, he gathers and calls, he seeks and searches his lost sheep. Others of the names of Jesus uh, might require a little bit of foreign language knowledge, right? Uh, words like Emmanuel, that's the ancient word that means God is with us, that tells us that Jesus is, is the God who has come to be among his people. He's no cold and distant God, but one who loves to dwell and lim- live among us. Uh, other names like Christ, that's the, the Greek word, you've got to know some language there. The anointed one, the one that is set apart for a holy purpose, the purpose of saving and rescuing his people, the one who is anointed, set apart to do things that we can never do and and be someone that we can never be. Uh, There are lots of names of Jesus, but uh, today I would would like to focus on one of those names. Uh, It's his proper name, the one assigned to him by the angel and given to him by his parents, that, that word, that name, Jesus. Because I think in that name, Jesus, in that title ascribed to him, we, we know everything we need to know about the second person of the Trinity. See, the name Jesus quite literally means Yahweh saves. Yahweh is the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for God. And so we can say that the name Jesus itself means God saves. Notice, not God condemns or God judges or God rolls his eyes or God is angry with you or God is distant and and cold. No, his, his very name tells us that he is the God who has come to save his people. Now, I think that's a beautiful name, but the truth is there is a piece of all of us, at at least during certain moments of our lives, that I think rebels against that a little bit. Because I think there's a piece of all of us that thinks to ourselves, I don't need any saving. (laughs) I I think most of us would pretty quickly admit that we are far from perfect, that we all have our flaws and our faults. But but the idea that, that we need to be saved or rescued, I think sometimes we feel like that's just not true. Sure, we could use a helping hand, a pat on the back, a, a little bit of extra uh, motivation. We could all use a, a pep talk. But, but we don't need to be saved. We can be the people that we need to be, that the spouses, the children, the parents, the, the, the workers that, that God has called us to be. Sure, we could use some help, but we, we don't need to be saved. We, we can do whatever it is we set our minds to. We can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. But, but God knew that that just wasn't true. God knew when he looked at this world that, that we needed a savior. He saw a world in, in which people are fighting and yelling and shouting. He, he looked at a world where some of us are, are full beyond measures while others of us are empty. Some of us are full but others of us 
are hungry. God looked at a world where, where we have stressful days and sleepless nights. He saw that some of us here today are grieving the loss of loved ones and others of us are struggling through cancer or any number of diseases. And he, he saw us struggle through this, this brokenness of this world, the guilt we carry, the things we've done that we would never admit to, the thoughts we have that we would never say out loud. And he knew that, that, that we needed more than just a helping hand. And so he sent his son, Jesus, to save us, to rescue us, to pull us up out of our mess, mess, to heal our wounds and restore our brokenness. Jesus is truly the God who saves. And, and throughout the Bible, we see him doing saving stuff, right? Just think about all the, the Bible stories you might have learned as a kid, right? He's, he's healing the sick, giving sight to the blind. He's teaching the crowds restoring to them truth. He's accepting and welcoming in people that the world had condemned or, or shut out. Jesus, everything he does is, is part of that saving work. And yet as Christians, we know that, that all of that salvation, all of that healing and teaching and accepting, all of that finds its culmination in, fulfillment in, its highest expression in the cross. That that's what Jesus came to do. That's where all of us find true healing, ultimate acceptance, total and complete forgiveness and grace. That's who Jesus is, and that's what he came to do, and, and that changes us. We are new people now because of Jesus, and our lives are different, although maybe not in the ways we would expect, and I think many of you know that, that to be a Christian is not always the way that it is perceived, either by us or by the outside world, and let me try to explain. Uh, I think I've told you all before about my grandmother, my dad's mom about how she was born and raised in Europe and how at a, an early age, somewhere in her mid-20s during World War II, she was taken from her home, separated from her family, torn apart from her only daughter and made to work somewhere out in the, the forests of Russia in, in a work consecration, concentration camp. She was used as slave labor. A, a, a sad, tragic story, but I think the saddest part about it is that she continued to work for years in that camp even after the war had ended. Uh, her captors conveniently forgot to tell her <laughs> that victory had come for Europe and that her land had been set free. And so for years after the war, she continued to live as a slave. She continued to live with fear and worry and doubt, not knowing would I see my family again, would I ever go back home, would I ever be reunited with my daughter. She, she continued to live as if she was a slave, uh, even though victory had come. And, and the interesting thing about her story is that she's not alone. Uh, you could read story after story of people just like her throughout Europe in the days after World War II, that there were many people who continued to, to hide themselves in basements and lock themselves behind doors, too afraid to go outside, right? Victory had come, the, 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 the Allied troops had come through, and, and yet they were oblivious to it. They continued to live with that fear and that, that doubt and, and that worry. There, there's actually a story of a, a Japanese man living on an island who for like 30 years after the war wouldn't leave his home and and, and it was only when, when some people came to his jungle hut and, and tried to convince him, well, the, the war is over. You're, you're free now. You can come out. You don't have to hide. And he said, no, no, no. Uh, the, the, the war is going on. I, I, need, I need to hide. Uh, that wasn't everyone, of course, because there were those people throughout Europe, throughout the world, that, that saw their victory, that witnessed the, the freedom that had come to their land. And See, I like to think that's who we are as Christians, to be a Christian is simply to be someone who has seen and witnessed the victory that Jesus came to bring for all people. 
Uh, We are merely people who have seen and received through eyes of faith by the power of the Holy Spirit that the freedom that Christ has won for us on the cross. We, as Christian people, are not better than anyone. What makes us who we are, what makes us unique is not that we're smarter or wittier or better looking than the outside world. That's not why God chose us. What, What makes us who we are, what makes us unique is not the fact, and you all know this, that we are better behaved than the rest of the world. That's Uh, not always or ever the case. No, what makes us unique is merely that through eyes of faith we have seen the victory that Jesus won. We have come to believe that we have been set free, that the war against sin and Satan and death is over. Salvation is ours all because of Jesus. And that changes things for us. We're not above anyone. We don't walk into rooms entitled with our chests out, but, but we go out into the world, into our neighborhoods, our communities, our, our homes, and, and we find the people who were once like us, who were huddled together, hiding and in, in alone, scared and worried, and, and we tell them simply, not that we're better, but that they are free. We share with them the good news that we have experienced. We, we shout it from the rooftops like the people after World War II. We, we throw parades letting the world know that salvation in Christ has come. We, we share it. We proclaim that victory with our mouths, but I think also with our lives. You think about uh, Europe after World War II. Life changed when victory came, right? People went back to school. They reopened their shops that had long been shuttered. They uh, they, they reopened businesses. They planted gardens for the first times in years. Life changed for them in light of that victory. And, and the same is true for us. No longer do we live lives of anger or worry or jealousy or, or gossip. We live lives of peace. No longer do we fight and scratch and, and claw our way to the top. But instead for us, it's a race to the bottom to make ourselves least and last, to generously give that which we have received. Life changes for now. We proclaim the victory, but we also live it out The freedom that Jesus has won. That's who we are. That's what we do. And it's all because of who Jesus is. The God who saves. The one who laid down his life on a cross to bring us victory. In his name, amen.